0: My name is Laura Bandura, and my work seeks to understand how geophysics and seismic technology can be used to improve business performance and how to communicate these impacts to decision makers.
1: Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Off: in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In a low oil price environment, it is more important than ever to prioritize technology projects to ensure the greatest return on investment there is much pressure to accelerate the time to impact of corporate research and technology programs. In many cases, the geoscientists who are developing these breakthrough technologies are expected to demonstrate the value of these initiatives, which requires both a high degree of subject matter expertise and business fluency. In this practical conversation, SEG Distinguished Lecturer Laura Bandora showcases how to communicate technological value and your expertise to decision makers. Laura shares how to tie your work to financial metrics, the power of simplicity and brevity, and how geoscientists can better understand the minds of decision makers. This episode provides a useful practicum to maximize the scientist's knowledge and expertise to make a difference in your organization. Visit seg.org podcast to register for Laura's free lecture. And stay through the end to learn how in under five seconds you can show your appreciation for this free podcast. And now my conversation with Laura Vandura. Well, we are speaking with you today because you have an upcoming distinguished lecture, and it's called Quantifying the Business Impact of Seismic Technology to Deep Water Exploration. What is the, the general goal for this lecture?
0: So my goal is for attendees, you know, to walk away more deeply, understanding how their technical work intersects the business and influences decisions. So I'll be sharing an approach to quantifying the impact of seismic technology to exploration and how, to, how one can tie their work to financial metrics in, in that setting.
1: I, I see that being very valuable there. You know, in your experience, what is the hardest thing for scientists to communicate to decision makers in quantifying the business impact?
0: So I think one of the hardest things is that people making the business decisions are not typically the same people doing the technical work. Also, some technical experts do not have all the information that they need to really put their technical work into the right business context, know all the decisions that are being made and what alternatives are being considered and and why. So often you're bringing just one component of information to the table, but the decision maker is really responsible for understanding how all of those pieces fit together so, you know, the more that you can understand about the decision-making context that you're in, um, the more prepared that you can be to articulate your work and why it's important at those critical moments and decisions.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, of understanding the decision-making process, if, if you could help us step in the mind of a decision-maker, how high do they rate the chance of success for a prospect? You know, how much do they weigh that when making their final decision?
0: So the chance of success of a prospect is a very important input to deciding whether or not to drill an exploration well. So this isn't the only consideration, though. So there are other factors, too, such as how much resource we believe is there, as well as the strategic fit and profitability of the subsequent development project that would follow a discovery.
1: You know, if you had to rate the importance of these Two domains, subject matter expertise and business fluency when speaking with decision makers, how, how might you rate those? So what's most
0: important is that you know your role in the organization. So what information are decision makers really relying upon you to provide and why is what you do important? So if you're a geophysicist, they're most often expecting you to, to advise on a technical topic or question. And in that case, you know, the technical expertise is, is most important. As a geophysicist, your work can be more appreciated and more likely to be actually used in decisions when you're able to understand and communicate how what you do intersects the business and impacts that performance. So, you know, it's always beneficial to have some basic business and financial fluency and to understand how what you do fits in the overall value chain. So if you want to have more of a business role in the future, then, of course, you'll want to spend some time and effort developing those business and financial fluency skill sets, either on the job experience or, or through education.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to being a geophysicist than just uh, to understanding the, the science and the technology. But, but kind of looking at the technology here, how, how could a geophysicist better approach maybe quantifying the impact of seismic technology advancements?
0: So in my lecture, I'll be tying um, seismic imaging and interpretation quality improvements to dollars through the use of what I'm calling impact levers. And in addition to quality improvements, we'll also look at how speeding up subsurface evaluations, which includes the um, imaging and interpretation iterations that one would do, Chance of success, um, which, which is something you mentioned earlier, is one of the levers that we'll do a deep dive into during the lecture. And then also talk about some other, some other impact levers, such as um, resource volume over prospects, well-cost savings um, that can be influenced by seismic images, and then the value of accelerating those subsurface workflows as well.
1: You know, one of the things that kind of stuck with me in Joe Dellinger's conversation on this podcast was he recommended getting in the field and seeing acquisition directly to better understand the data that you were, you were seeing. Is there an equivalent get in the field for scientists looking to better understand how decision makers reach their conclusions?
0: Sure. So in whatever role you are in, I, I think one should embrace every opportunity you can get to really see how the decisions are made and ask a lot of questions to understand the problems that the decision makers are facing. And then also understand the benefits and trade-offs of the various decisions. So what are the near-term impacts of those decisions and what are the longer-term impacts? Always understand what data, including geophysical data, um, are critical to the decisions they're making and really how can you help them reach their goals? Understand the why in their decisions and leverage that understanding in the future.
1: In your experience, do you find the decision makers fairly open to having these conversations, you know, for scientists to come in and say, you know, what is the most important goal that you're facing right now?
0: Absolutely. I, I do. I, I think that when you're talking with decision makers, one important thing is that you simplify those technical complex messages um, as much as you can and, and try to be brief. And and make your messages very concise. Um, I think they're always open to hearing what the technical expert has to say. But really, you know, getting to the point quickly and simplifying is really important to that.
1: Yeah, I I remember one oil company had a a wiki online that had just an acronym, like basically it was a dictionary for all the acronyms that would get thrown out so you could understand what was being said at various meetings. What support would you offer scientists kind of feeling pressure to accelerate maybe the impact of their research?
0: So for scientists in particular, not just geoscientists, but all scientists, I think the pressure is felt when you can't solve a problem fast enough or you're, you're stuck. So when you work on really hard problems, these often take time to solve. And, and the more time that takes, of course, the pressure is um, exacerbated. So uh, I'll show a few things that have worked for me. Uh, one thing is to take an iterative and flexible approach. So as you're working on your problems, look for the early wins. As you get some results, share these with your stakeholders. Ask for their feedback and input. And then go further on these. Um, enlist the help of your peers, um, bounce ideas off of them when you're stuck, and then also just be open to a lot of different opinions. So ask someone who isn't a geophysicist what they think, or someone who has a different perspective or background than, than you. So when you're doing all of those things, you'll find that you are still having an impact in other ways. You might not be immediately solving all, all the problems that you're working on, but but there's still progress because the input from others will often be the piece of information that you need to get over a different hump later. And that's something that I've even experienced several times myself in preparation for my lecture, those iterations and and getting that feedback. It's really influenced me quite a bit in the ultimate um, lecture content will be and what problems I'll be looking at. Another thing that's worked for me is just to remember not to stay too long down a rabbit hole, so to speak. So when you're working on these problems, sometimes you you find yourself just kind of stuck in what you thought might have worked. um, And you're really sure it's going to work, you you start working the problem, but it's really not panning out. Um, So, you know, have the courage to start over and just take a different approach and, and have fun and experiment really.
1: Is there a a particular seismic technology that you're quite excited about to see its development?
0: Yeah. So recently, um, I've personally seen the really dramatic impact from sparse node OBN um, used in the early, in the exploration and appraisal phases. So, you know, through the multi-client surveys, we're able to cost-effectively acquire that sparse node OBN, and that's really game-changing to be able to have this um, quality of data earlier in the exploration phase. So um, that's important, of course, because you get the longer offsets and lower frequencies that are useful for FWI. And that, in turn, you know, provides better structural and velocity resolution at, at the greater depths. And that ties into, of course, our understanding better our chance of success for um, exploration prospects and helping us understand how much resource is there.
1: Who would you say is the ideal audience for this distinguished lecture?
0: So I think the ideal audience is really geophysicists who are in either a business setting or an academic setting, as well as um, technology portfolio managers or exploration portfolio managers.
1: You know, how how about you say your education and professional experience, you know, you have a, a PhD in physics, you worked at Michigan State University and are now at Chevron. You know, how has that background and experience helped you succeed in the current role you find yourself?
0: Yeah, so I've always had a very broad interest in the sciences. I have a bachelor's degree in biology, so I actually started in chemistry, got a bachelor's degree in biology, and then um, went on to do a master's degree in physics as well as the PhD. You know, the reason why I decided to pursue a physics degree in grad school was because I wanted to understand the fundamentals of nature and really see the connections across all the sciences more deeply. So in my career, I've tried to take the same approach, um, which is to understand those fundamentals. And that can help you solve a lot more, more problems in applied fields. So the fundamentals really can help you develop that intuition. And again, intuition helps you solve, solve problems. So one thing I've noticed over the years is the fact that my background is, like you, you mentioned, is a bit different than the norm. That's helped me, I think, bring a different perspective and approach problems in this field in a slightly different way. Um, when you're working in an environment, you know, that invites that diversity of thought, new ways of thinking. I think everyone, individuals, teams, can be more innovative and, and impactful. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about working with Chevron, is just all the different people with various backgrounds and and just how they, they welcome that that diversity of thought.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of a book I read a while back called Range by David Epstein that kind of just talks about the value of a wide range of experiences. He was kind of looking at generalists, but how this really funneling into very specific niches uh, early on is really kind of detrimental to success uh, in multiple fields. You know, what is a, a question you hope the attendees will ask of themselves after listening to this talk?
0: Well, I hope that there's some, something for everyone in my talk that is directly usable in their work, you know, whether they're working in a business setting now or in school looking to start a career in oil and gas. So for geophysicists who are working in a business setting, I'd like them to ask themselves, like, how can they use some of the concepts that I present to show the value of their work and gain more support for the work they do? For someone that is in an academic setting, you know, they may not have all the data that they need to show with. High confidence, the value of the work to a particular business setting, as you know, the, the data within a business is really confidential in, in most cases.
1: Um, however, you know,
0: recently there's so many open seismic data sets that are available. Um, so I think that they can use this open data to show how the work can be quantified in terms of those impact levers that I mentioned earlier, such as chance of success or, or resource volume, and then these are measures that can be later used to relate to a business-specific portfolio or financial metrics. So at least you can get a head start there by using those levers. And, you know, I think the overarching goal in most settings is that we want the technology with the best potential to have the most support as it's developed. So I I hope that people walk away thinking about how they can really just present their, their work as accurately as possible so that they can get the support to continue it.
1: Well, this has been a, a very practical conversation. And I get the sense this lecture will be very practical as well. But lastly here, you know, kind of building off that further, what principle teaching or point of view has helped you succeed in your field?
0: So in terms of you know, teaching or point of view, I, I guess one of the things is in my role as an R&D geophysicist, um, my supervisor, um, Dimitri Berets, um challenged me to understand the value of my work in dollars as one of my actual performance agreements. And uh, at the time, I thought to myself, well, how do I even start to answer that? So my interest in, my, in the, you know, this topic for my lecture really started there. And I've been on a journey ever since to more deeply understand the value of technical work. So and then, you know, just more generally, too, just another principle – is that I I follow myself or try to follow is to um, not let fear stop you from really achieving your dreams. So if you have a strong passion or interest in something, don't be afraid to go after it. You know, have the courage to venture out of your comfort zone for endeavors that you feel are worthwhile. So many times in my education and career, you know, the transition from biology to to physics and then in my career, just going from nuclear physics to geoscience, you know, that was a a jump, you know, it was was scary, but I I saw the potential in it and I saw how much fun it could be and the doors that would open. So I I would encourage people to take on new challenging things and don't let fear hold them back from that. I've never really regretted taking those risks and it's been a fun career so far.
1: Yeah, you're, you're living that advice. So thank you for uh, succinctly sharing that and, and putting that into a great response. And thank you for this talk. It, it's going to be widely applicable to so many people. So it'll be an exciting time to, to register and listen to this talk quite soon. So thank you, Laura, for sharing a little bit about it today. Thank you, Andrew. SEG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Soundoff on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. And follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Allie McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.